to Rising Above with Becky Davidson. It was a very, very dark time. I had a hard time getting out of bed. My mom, who was visiting, had to drag me out of bed, put me in the shower, take me out of the shower, and she brushed my hair because I couldn't do it. That's how in grief I was. I really thought this was an ending. I did not realize that instead it was really a new beginning. Welcome to Rising Above with Becky Davidson, where we hear from special needs families who rise above difficult circumstances and discover that joy can be found in every story. Thank you for joining us. Here's your host, Becky Davidson. Hey friends, I'm so glad you are joining us for this week's episode. And before we get started, I want to make sure that you know about a brand new resource that we have available for your family. We have just released a new Respite for Your Mind for Kids. You can find it on the Rising Above app. And this one talks our kids through positive ways to respond when they get angry. It was written and recorded by our friend Ryan, and it is so great. So make sure you check that out. And if you don't have the free Rising Above app, you can find it in the App Store or Google Play. So I know that you will enjoy having this new resource available for your kids. Now, my guest today is Jillian Benfield, and Jillian is a former journalist and news anchor. She is the author of The Gift of the Unexpected, Discovering Who You Were Meant to Be When Life Goes Off Plan. And in the book, Jillian shares her own life-altering moment when she discovered that her son would have Down syndrome. Jillian lives in Florida with her husband, Andy, and their three children. And so I know that you'll enjoy getting to know more about Jillian and her story. So here's the conversation I had with Jillian Benfield. Hey, Jillian, thank you so much for joining us for the podcast. I'm excited to get to know more about you. So thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I know just from reading your background that um, you were living life in the spotlight as a TV journalist um, when you received the life-altering news uh, with the diagnosis for your son. So tell us a little bit about that journey and how that impacted you. Yeah, so I'll take you back to um, mid-2013. I had just finished up a news anchor and reporter job in Augusta, Georgia, and my husband had just finished dental school, and he had taken an Air Force scholarship And the Air Force then moved us across the country to Las Vegas, Nevada to complete a one-year residency for him. And because it was such a short amount of time and because I had just had my first child, it seemed like the perfect amount of time to take off of TV news. And I thought I would go right back to TV news um, as soon as he was done. And um, But anyways, I ended up getting a phone call on May 8th. 2014. And it was my husband. And he said, we're moving to Holloman Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. And I said, Andy, where is that? And he said, <laughs> Alamogordo, New Mexico. Oh my goodness. And I cried all day long mm-hmm. because I there's not even a target in Alamogordo, mm-hmm. New Mexico, let alone a TV news station. Yeah. And my identity at the time was so wrapped up in that job Mm -hmm. and what I did and my performance, like you said. And so I was crushed. Well, later that day, I had this little whisper in my heart to tell me to take a pregnancy test. And we were not trying. Our daughter had just turned a year old. 
and it wouldn't go away. And somehow an old pregnancy test made its way across the country with us (laughs) in that news. And I took it and it was positive. Mm. And I thought, okay, God, okay. You want me to be a stay-at-home mom? I get it. Okay. Well, fast forward two, three months later, it was time for my 20-week ultrasound. Um, And I noticed that the tech is taking a really long time. Mm. And finally, she thanks us, walks out, nurse walks in, and she says, well, everything must look great because the doctor's not here. And as soon as she said those words, he walked in Oh, wow! and he explained to us that there were several markers on the ultrasound that indicated that our child had a higher chance of having a trisomy. Mm. And I said, well, what does that mean? And he said, it means that your child has a higher chance of having a condition like Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. And I just remember my back like breaking out in fire and the Mm -hmm. words, I can't be a special needs mom. I can't be a special needs Mm -hmm. mom. Just going over and over again in my head, like a skipping CD, because of course I couldn't, because this was definitely not a part of my plan. Well, then we got blood work and eight days later, I got another phone call from my husband and he said, the doctor called it's not good. I'm coming home. And I just remember my heavy 21 week pregnant body just Mm -hmm. falling to the kitchen floor. And I just kept saying, Oh no, Oh no, Oh no, this doesn't feel real. This doesn't feel real. Finally, my husband walked in and I could tell he was going to be sick. And I started unbuttoning his military uniform And he did get sick. And then when he was done, he laid his head on my chest. And I just remember his hot tears rolling Mm. down my shirt. We had both just turned 27 years old. And we were in shock that this happened to us. Um, We knew that test was positive for something, something that was life-altering and possibly fatal, but we didn't know what. And we had to go into the office to get the official results. And when we got there, the doctor said, well... It's not good news. Mm. Your child has a 99.9% chance of having Down syndrome. And it's normally at times like these, people want to talk about their options. And I said, what options? Mm -hmm. And he said, option one is you terminate the pregnancy. And I said, well, what's option two? Mm -hmm. And he said, option two is you continue your pregnancy with a high-risk doctor. And he said, but don't worry, don't worry. You don't have to be a hero. If you decide not to go through with the termination, you can have the baby here and we can keep him comfortable, but we don't have to do anything drastic to save his life. So in other words, we could have our baby to keep our consciences clean, but we could let him die of natural causes. So the doctor believed that our son would have a life that was not worth living. Mm -hmm. So I grieved as if a death had taken Mm -hmm. place, but it would take me many weeks and months and possibly years to realize that I had more in common with the doctor than I wanted to admit Mm -hmm. my worldview about what made a successful life, Mm -hmm. my world, my view of worth, what made a worthy life Mm -hmm. was more aligned with the doctors um, and also affected the view I had of my own life, Mm -hmm. to be honest, um, that I wanted to admit. And so that's a lot of what this book is about. It's about unlearning all that I needed to unlearn and relearning when um, the unexpected hit my life. 
Yeah. Well, you know, I know for every parent raising a child with a disability, when we get those diagnoses, I mean, it's it's just, it's earth shattering news. You know, for some of us, you know, we didn't start finding things out about my son until he was a little bit older. But when you hear that news, when they're still in the womb, you know, that grief, you're, you're grieving even before they're born, those things that, you know, are come, you know, that, that the doctor has told you all these things. So how did you process through that original grief um, before your son was born, you know, during that time of diagnosis? Yeah, I, gosh, um, it was a very, very dark time, really. I mean, I had a hard time getting out of bed. On my worst day, my mom had to, who was visiting, um, had to drag me out of bed, put me in the shower, take me out of the shower. And she brushed my hair because I couldn't do it. That's how in grief Mm -hmm. I was. I really thought this was an ending. I did not realize that instead it was really a new beginning. Mm -hmm. And so um, how I processed during that time was I had um, pastoral counseling with my longtime mentor, um, and I let myself feel the full weight of grief too, you know, and um, it caused me to ask a lot of those why questions, Mm -hmm. which I think there's a lot of pushback against asking the question why. Um, in Christian culture anyway. And I don't regret asking those questions because it was in that seeking to understand how God works in the world, um, to seeking to understand what what is disability and what does it mean for a life, um, that I was able to develop my own systematic theology And um, eventually it would get me to a place, you know, I ended up enrolling in seminary and all of these things (laughs) and um, looking for the answers. And, you know, I have what I believe to be true, but I hold it all loosely now. You know, I'm never going to have the corner on God's truth, but that seeking to find the truth allowed me to grow closer to God in that mm-hmm. process. And yeah. that's something I do not regret. Yeah. Well, tell us about your son now. How old is he? Tell us what his day-to-day life looks like. Yeah. Um, so his name is Anderson. He's eight years old. Um, we held him back in kindergarten. So he is in first grade now. Uh, he's in a general education classroom with all of his um, all of his peers. Um, he's only mm-hmm. pulled out for speech and school inclusion is something super important to us. And um, his day-to-day just looks like a lot of first graders mm-hmm. <laughs> days, except when he comes home, he has therapy appointments. Um, and um, yeah, he's doing really well. So what would you want to tell that doctor? You know, when you look at his life now at eight years old and he's in school and he's, you know, all the things, what would you want to tell that doctor you know, when they gave, they gave you the diagnosis, who told you your options, what would you want him to know now about your son? I think I would tell him that a different life does not mean a less than life. Mm-hmm. Anderson is not living a less than life. Yes, his reality is different. And yes, 
there are hard parts that come with his reality. There are hard parts that come with our reality of raising a disabled child in an accessible world. There's a harshness to that 100%. And it has also been one of my greatest gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a gift on all, all on his own, but also the experience of raising a child with a disability has changed my worldview. It's changed my religion. It's changed my politics. Um, It's changed everything. I'm not who I once was. Mm -hmm. And I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. But when you look at him and his life and, you know, what he brings to your family, what is it that you love most about your son? Hmm. You know, there's a saying I think I hear a lot in our community, um, just with parenting kids with disabilities and the highs are higher and the lows are lowers. And mm-hmm. I, I found that to be true. Um, but man, those highs, <laughs> mm-hmm. when Anderson experiences real joy, there is nobody who is more joyful. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's probably my favorite part of raising him. Yeah. Well, you know, our kids are our biggest teachers. I've learned more from my son you know, it says I've been his mom over these years than I've learned from anybody else. So what are things that that he's taught you as um, you've looked at his life over these past eight years? So I always say that Anderson was not sent here to teach me something. Mm -hmm. I think there's like this view of people with disabilities that they were sent here for our benefit. And that's just not true. And yet... He has been my absolute greatest teacher. Mm -hmm. You know, both of those things are true. And um, I think that Jesus's life really came alive to me when a child with a disability entered mine. But I think before I had a son with a disability, I wanted Western Jesus. Uh, Jesus that is always shiny and positive and ascending from a hill. I wanted that Jesus. And then when Anderson entered my life, I became more acquainted with Jesus who was marginalized and sat with marginalized. And um, I guess what I have learned from Anderson is to be more in touch with the creator that came here not only to suffer for us, but to suffer with us mm-hmm. yeah. and um, more acquainted with um, what I like to say is the God of resurrection, you know, um, the God that um, that does not always give us what we want or give us an easy path, um, but that brings new life out of what seems dead um, that he makes new life out of very broken things. Mm-hmm. And I think that I have gotten more acquainted with that piece mm-hmm. of God because of Anderson. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure those are some of the things that you unpack in your new book that has just come out called The Gift of the Unexpected, Discovering Who You Were Meant to Be when life goes off plan. And I think, you know, so many people would look at our life as, you know, moms or dads raising children with disabilities and think, okay, this is not the plan. You know, most people do not plan this life. You know, most of us 
this is what comes into our story and it's not something that we plan. So tell us about your book, your heart behind um, writing the book and uh, what you hope your, your readers will gain and take away from your book. So the heart behind the book is that I think there is this huge push in Western culture and also Western Christian culture to overcome our unexpected circumstances. I think we are allotted this short pain arc and -hmm. we're supposed to get to that other side of our pain and return to who we were and life as, Mm -hmm. as it once was as quickly as possible. But what I'm suggesting in this book is that we do not overcome our unexpected circumstances. Um, Another word for overcome is to suppress. And um, I think that is what's often expected of us, but to instead undergo our unexpected circumstances. And what I mean by that is I want, like if you Google image undergo, you're going to find people about to undergo surgery. Mm, Interesting. And that person has to seek out help, right? They have to dig into the deep, dark places to confront the pain, which takes a long time. And then they have to pursue healing afterwards. That's what I hope the reader gets from this book is that they will get the courage to really inspect their pain, their grief, their thoughts about the world and how God works and how the world works and Mm -hmm. their own worth. Um, and start to pull those threads. Mm -hmm. And I think when we really undergo our unexpected circumstances, there is a gift in that. And that gift is that we can become new. Mm -hmm. We can become the fullest version of ourselves that God dreamed up long ago. Mm -hmm. I believe that pain and suffering and our unexpected circumstances are one of the greatest pathways to transformation but I think we have to choose to really walk it. Mm -hmm. And so this book is not a how to undergo the unexpected, but it's what I learned from the process of undergoing. And so I hope that it can be a book that helps other in their process of undergoing. Yeah. And I think it's so true. You know, when you look at culture today, uh, when you have a loss, when you have a debt, like my husband passed away almost six years ago Mm -hmm. and you know, when you experience that, so, you know, oftentimes in the corporate world, they give you, you know, just a few days off from work before you have to come back, you know, before you go back to work. Well, you think about the life of a parent facing, a, you know, the life with their child having disabilities and there's not time to grieve. There's not time to process through that. And I know for me, one of the things that I'm just learning that's so helpful is the power of lament. Mm-hmm. Of taking those hard things to God and pouring them out because he can totally receive them and take it, but then turning into a praise. Have you seen that in your own life too, about how just pouring out our hearts to God? It's just such an, you know, our, our losses matter. Yeah. And so have you found that to be true for you? Yeah, that's um, chapter six of the book. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's about that. Okay. Um, you know, it's about really how, you know, after Anderson was born, And I did feel this amazing peace the day he was born. But then he came home and there was this whole new reality that had a lot of harshness to Mm -hmm. it. 
You know, he took eight hours a day just to eat mm. that didn't include pumping. You know, wow. it was, he had a lot of medical issues mm-hmm. in the beginning and to have not felt the aftershock of his birth would have been to not feel anything. Mm-hmm. And I thought that, you know, I was supposed to be over this now that he was here. I was mm-hmm. supposed to be over that grief and over that confusion. And But what I learned was what chapter six really focuses on is that more than half of the Psalms are laments. Yeah, And I think the Psalms are there to teach us how to be in relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And I think when we give our all over to God, we become closer to him. Mm -hmm. And I think Jesus himself quoting the Psalms on the cross, my God, Mm -hmm. my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm -hmm. I think he did that in an act of solidarity for us, Mm -hmm. you know, that that is being in relationship with God. Lament is part of that. Mm -hmm. And we have to lament before we really get to that transformative hope. Yeah. That's a part of the process. Mm -hmm. That's that's what it means to be human. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's really important. So yes, I've seen that in my life. Yeah, yeah, me too. And it's it's been so impactful just being able to be raw and real and, and take those losses to God. But then, you know, we can't stay there. We have to flip it just like the Psalms do, you know, to flip yes. it into that praise, into that trust and that that belief of what we know to be true. And so, you know, if you were sitting across the table from a young mom who just like you expecting a baby finds out in an ultrasound that your child is going to face life with disabilities. What would you want to tell that mom now, now that you're eight years down the road, what would you tell that mom? I would tell them that I have never done anything more difficult in my life than parenting my child with a disability. And that parenting a child with a disability really has been the greatest gift of my life. Mm-hmm. I would not try to sugarcoat the hard parts because um, it is hard, but instead I would tell them that I live in this place of what I call and, you know, um, before I would live in this butt world where it was like parenting a child with a disability is really hard, but it's so good. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I would try to minimize the harsher parts of my reality, but now I find so much peace in, and, um, it, you know, I don't have to neglect the harder parts of my life. I can hold them in the same two hands as I hold the good parts Mm -hmm. of parenting a child with a disability. And when I hold them all together, I can look at it and see, wow, this is hard. And it is so beautiful when you hold it all together. Mm-hmm. God promises us an abundant life. And I think that can be translated into like um, everything is good and positive, but I think it actually means a full life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, Anderson has helped me to learn that and to really embrace the full life that I've been given, my full humanity and my full self. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would be who I am today without him. And that has been one of my greatest gifts. Mm-hmm. And I think that full life includes that the full range of emotions that go along with this and, and just being willing to feel all those things that come along with it, but not, not to stay stuck 
you know, in the dark side, but to choose, you know, choose to come close to the light. Mm-hmm. You know, so often um, people in the community, they look at our families and they may see our children and see them as, quote, less than. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't see the beauty of our kids the, the way that we do. So how do you hope people see your son, see your family when they when you're out in the community? What do you hope that they see in your family? What I would want people to know is that Down syndrome is not just a part of Anderson. It's in every part of Anderson, Mm -hmm. but not be who he is without Down syndrome. And I think that that is honored um, in the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And um, the last chapter of the book, I talk about this experience that I had of um, going to this theme park called Morgan's Wonderland. And have you been there? Uh, No, but I've heard of it. Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, I just looked around and we were at this like, puppet theater. And there was a mom feeding a child through a tube and there was a child in a wheelchair. And there was my child with down syndrome trying to join the puppet show. And nobody looked around with judgment. It was all love. And I just felt like my hairs stand on end. Mm -hmm. And I felt like the whisper of God whispering to me, this is it. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. This is the kingdom of God. This is what heaven will look like Mm. where all are loved and accepted Mm. for who they are. Suffering won't be there. Mm -hmm. The the suffering parts of Anderson's disability will not be there, but he will be Anderson and his disability is a part of that. It's beautiful and so true. And I, you know, I often think about heaven, you know, just how amazing that's going to be. And seeing our kids in their fullness. Mm-hmm. And uh, that gives me such hope uh, on those, especially long, hard days. And so how has God used the, your son's life to help you see God in the unexpected ways, this unexpected life that you've been living? You know, you weren't expecting this. You didn't think that this was going to be part of your story, but how has God revealed himself through this change, this unexpected uh, scene in your story that you had not planned? Um, my pastor asked me the same one that walked me through this eight years ago, asked me just recently, Mm -hmm. um, if you could sum up in one phrase, what you learned through your five, we went through more things than Anderson. We Mm -hmm. went through a five-year period of being hit by unexpected thing after unexpected Mm -hmm. thing. If you could sum up in one phrase, what you learned, what would it be? Yeah. And I said that the resurrection is not just about what happens to us at the end of this life. It's what happens to us and is available to us. Let me put it that way in this life, Mm -hmm. in and out and over and over again, because we do experience these little deaths here on earth. And what I have learned is that there are certain things that will never be the same. Mm -hmm. I think so often when the unexpected hits, we want our old lives back. We want things to return. And I don't think God often works like that. I think instead, if we look at the Bible, but also in nature, mm-hmm. you know, when, when we got Anderson's diagnosis, we were living in New Mexico and there were these beautiful white sands there. Well, the reason they're there is because it used to be, that area used to be covered by a huge lake. The lake dried up. It's gone. It's dead. It's never coming back. But it left behind something 
And then the forces of nature created that into something brand new. That's what I feel like I have learned the most through this unexpected journey is we have a God who makes brand new things Mm -hmm. come out of our unexpected circumstances. So true. So true. Well, I know um, that your book is available, I'm sure on Amazon. Where else can people find you? How can people follow you on social media? Where can, where can they follow you? Yeah. Um, I'm on Jillian Benfield blog on Instagram, Jillian Benfield on Facebook. My website is JillianBenfield.com. And I've got free eBooks on there too, uh, two for parents of kids with disabilities. One is a book of spiritual comforts and one is, um, all about advocacy. So if you're interested in, um, how to advocate for your uh, child through elementary school uh, that is available to you as well. And yes, the book's available on Amazon, Target, Barnes and Noble, all the places, all the places. Well, we, and we will be sure to include um, links in the show notes to all of your sites and social media and all of that. And Jillian, we close each episode by asking all of our guests, what are ways that you rise above your circumstances and find joy in your story? Hmm. I think the answer is just to go all the way through the story. Mm. I don't think joy is out there floating around. I think joy is found um, in the in the hard parts too, mm-hmm. you know? And I think when we allow ourselves to live fully into the lives that we have, we are able to learn so much, change mm-hmm. so much through it. And there's joy in that. Yeah. Yeah, so good. Well, thank you, Jillian, so much for joining us today. Um, I've enjoyed getting to meet you and I just appreciate your time today. And I hope our listeners will check out your new book and find out more about you. So thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me today. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Rising Above with Becky Davidson, created and produced by Rising Above Ministries. To learn more about us and our resources for special needs families, visit risingaboveministries.org or download our free app. If you've enjoyed listening and want to hear more, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. You can always share it to encourage a friend. And remember, joy can be found in every story.